Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. We are NARC Troopers. And if you like today's episode, check out my website, narctroopers.com, where you will find more articles, podcasts, and other things like video vlogs and interesting things about recovery from narcissistic abuse. Today's topic is when I am alone, I disappear. It's about abandonment issues and attachment disorders and all those fun things. Um, So let's talk about some conversations that I've had with my traumatized inner child and start there. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with this phenomena, needing to turn inwards and deal with that petulant little thing inside of you that has that voice that is always um, causing a problem. The inner child is the echo of the child that you were a long time ago. It's like an imprint, a signature on your soul. Everyone has been influenced by their environment maybe the important people in your lives and by the things that have happened to you. So our inner child is the keeper of those memories and they are stored in our minds and bodies in ways that influence our lives in a profound, uh, profound way. Imagine that your inner child has stored every memory, experience, feeling, message, all of this in a vault with thousands of tiny boxes, all tucked away, compartmentalized, organized, carefully uh, stored. In this storage chamber resides our self-esteem, our self-image, family trauma, epigenetics. We'll talk about epigenetics at a later time. Shame and secrets, hopes and fears, all these different things. All the things that forge our identities, and our perceptions of the world that we live in. As we become adults, this warehouse comes with us, and it colors our reactions and influences our relationships and all that. If the things we kept in all those tiny little boxes were rooted or born in toxicity, insecurity, instability, fear, trauma, or any of these negative things, unhealthy things, the adult will filter everything through the lens of this stored cash. Uh, Ideally, the child has been nurtured by healthy, happy caregivers who instilled all the qualities and skills necessary for that child to have a wealth of necessary riches from which to draw upon whenever needed. Unfortunately, many of us were not fortunate to receive this programming or scripting. Some of us weathered a childhood surrounded by dysfunctional, maladapted, disordered people who were incapable of giving us what we needed to navigate life with ease. These children develop problematic coping mechanisms. They slip into their own disordered thinking. They distrust everything and everyone and never feel safe or loved. This is how narcissists are born. 
but the spectrum is wide and varied. Not all people with deficient or abusive childhoods um, become adults with cluster B personality disorders like narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial disorder, or um, even borderline, which is not quite, I think they maybe removed borderline from the DSM chart and because that's such a tricky term. I don't think they call that or diagnose BPD anymore. Um, okay, so the more I dig deeper into research and draw from my own personal experience, the more that I believe these diagnoses are not specific to just one label. You can't just say, oh, this is what you are, and then shove you in this little category. Um, the man that I loved for nearly two decades suffered from several coexisting comorbidities, and I have come to think that it's more the norm than the exception, you know, having more than one thing coexisting. Um, while some children maybe shut down and, and tune out permanently in response to the horrors of their formative years, others may develop something else that would be like me, um, develop anxious attachment styles, addiction, neurosis, um, dissociative disorders, and a plethora of other signs of distress that show up in countless in a countless number of ways. Some of these may manifest as cluster C personality disorders, very different from cluster B. And cluster C disorders can be characterized by anxious, fearful thinking, uh, avoidant personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, and obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Any way you dice it up, in the end, the products of early childhood neglect and abuse are devastating, and they last a lifetime. You know, many people spend their lives either in therapy and support groups or something like that, trying to overcome these toxic life scripts, and they develop dysregulated maladaptive behaviors that become, um, you know, that become problematic. They, they can turn into personality disorders, and they, these people never manage to get healthy, healthy a lot of the time. Few, if any, people can walk away unscathed from a horrible childhood. You know, that's why childhood matters so much, and it matters in just life-changing ways. So let me tell you about me. When I was, when I was little, maybe five or six years old, some of my first memories were um, of a type of body dysmorphia and disconnect, sort of, as I would lay in bed at night listening to my parents argue, which would usually escalate into physical violence, sometimes involving weapons. I would just lie there and feel like, well, it was weird. I would feel like my body swelled up to fill the space in the whole room. And then it would shrink back tiny, 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 tiny to the width of a toothpick. I, I could feel my body getting bigger and smaller in this weird, weird um, dysmorphic way. Um, and I felt sometimes if, if I floated outside of my body and I couldn't make myself come back down and re-enter my own 
little mini me, you know, that was lying there, you know, in my little silky blue pajamas. The medical term for these thoughts um, is called derealization, which is feeling withdrawn from one's surroundings as if the world isn't real, is called derealization. And also it could be depersonalization, which is an out-of-body experience in which a person feels separated from their own self. So I had that. I experienced that at an early age because of my home situation. I remember that happening when I was like four and five. When the strange symptoms overpowered me, I would just tell myself, stop it, stop it, don't do this, be still. Don't float away, don't get big, don't get tiny, because you're just going to disappear. No, stop it, please, please stop, stop. That's what I would say to myself. But in these moments... When I was alone in the dark, I, you know, I did disappear. I disappeared. That's what happened. I ceased to exist. I could not grab myself and hold on as I rose up to the ceiling and shape shifted as I felt my body actually growing and shrinking and floating away. I did not recognize my own voice in my head as it sounded like someone else's voice, a stranger in my body that no longer belonged to me. As I got older, I managed to develop coping mechanisms to deal with this derealization and depersonalization experience. To stay grounded, um, I simply needed to tether myself to another human. That was my conclusion. Was that the right thing to do? No, but I didn't have therapy. I didn't have treatment. I didn't even have a school counselor or a, a sane adult or a uh, a sibling. I had no one to talk to. So that, that was what I decided as I, as I got older, this is the way you don't have this happen. You just attach yourself on someone else and use them as your anchor. <laughs> yeah. As your anchor. So that's how it all started. My whole um, sort of dysfunctional pattern that I had going on there. It was a lifelong compulsion to attach to this other person so I would not be invisible and float away into the sky like a pretty blue balloon. It required an attachment without any boundaries, which we need boundaries, guys. We need healthy boundaries. But what I was doing required an attachment that had no boundaries, a complete surrender as I melted into their essence and absorbed into them. Melted and absorbed into them. It was more than simply seeking external validation. My identity was forged to theirs in an unholy alliance. In many ways, I did disappear, just like I did before, but I just disappeared into them, which is a different kind of becoming invisible. The strange and ironic part of all this is that the men in my life, these these three different relationships I had over my lifetime were all mentally dysregulated in some way and suffered from some profound impairment. The first one, a brilliant paranoid schizophrenic alcoholic physician. Yep. A doctor. The second one, a dissociative anxiety ridden borderline. And that's before they did away with BPD. So yeah, I think that's what that was. And then at last, this last one, the one that has like that I'm still struggling to recover from, 
This one wielded a power greater than any other. Um, he was a narcissistic sociopath. That's a diagnosis. The psychopath part that I suspect, that's me thinking that. That may or may not be true, but it seems like they all kind of go together. And I don't know how therapists in the limited time that they see you can determine where you fit on that spectrum, whether it's just narcissism or whether it's more things. So yeah, I'm going to go with the psychopath. Uh, absolutely. Um, and he also had multiple coexisting addictions. He was a doozy. I mean, wow, that was something. So all of these three people were mentally disturbed and incapable, just incapable of authentic emotions in the same way that my mother was incapable of authentic emotions. And of course, that was no accident, right? Um, we have a way of repeating the past so we can try to change that dynamic, heal it, fix it, be free of it. So when you realize that these repetitive patterns or self-destructive behaviors, these dysfunctional relationships and the inability to lead a happy, healthy life are all rooted in toxic programming and negative scripts from early childhood, it becomes apparent that work must be done to go back in time and self-parent that wounded, fearful child that is screaming out from health. Self-parenting and self-partnering become a necessary step in your journey towards health and wholeness. That helpless and vulnerable little girl or boy that you were when you were three, four, even five years old still influences everything you do and think and believe in ways that color your entire world. For whatever reason, that child didn't get what they needed, and now that child needs your help. But listen, here's the catch. The journey, it's not something like boom, boom, done. It takes a lifetime, and many are going to fail to be ever free from this curse that was put upon them in childhood because it does require patience, acceptance, and it, an acceptance that we can't change the past. We can only go back and try to rescue the child there that had no one to help them in those years of chaos and suffering. We have to advocate for them and be patient. They do not trust you. And instead, they cry out for salvation in the shape of another damaged individual. Haven't you heard that saying, hurt people, hurt people? Hurt people. Damaged people hurt and damage other people. So often, two disordered people find each other and live out their toxic scripts together. The person with NPD and others of his or her type will certainly fail to ever be free of what happened to them early on because they essentially murdered themselves to stop the pain. And now nobody's home. And there's this false self that they have constructed that has replaced their true self. Some people are just too damaged to ever be repaired. And those people, you're going to read a lot of stuff if you do your research and you're going to see 99.9% .9 of it say, you can't fix a cluster B narcissist, sociopath, or psychopath. 
That's a tough admission, folks. We like to think everyone can get better, be better, overcome their past. But the truth is that not everyone can do that. Cluster B disordered people are the only ones in all of the mental health illnesses that really just cannot be healed. Their prognosis is abysmal. No one can reanimate the dead and breathe life back into these walking dead people. But cluster A and cluster C personality disorders, they can. They can get treatment and work on themselves and do all the right things and you know, invest a lot of time and effort in it and eventually see progress and resolution. So A and C are not hopeless. Cluster B, it is what it is. I'm an English teacher, so I will leave you with this. <laughs> it's one of my favorite closing lines from a book. It's from Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. And he says, So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. It's a great quote. Sometimes we just have to accept what happened back there, grieve for the loss, and then we move on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.